What's going on, everybody? It's Keegan Stiefel from patspulpit.com and the Patriots Nation podcast. And today we have something a little special for you guys. I know we said we were going to take a break, uh, which we are for the podcast, you know, leading up to the draft. We're getting everything settled. But I had the opportunity to talk with two really good directors, uh, Ken Rogers and Nick Muscolo. They're co-directors of The Tuck Rule, which is ESPN's newest 30 for 30. I had the opportunity to talk to them about the interviews and everything that went into it and Tom Brady and Charles Woodson and their dynamic. Um, it was really fun. It's about 20, 30 minutes. So I hope you guys enjoy. We'll be back in a couple weeks to, to get draft season rolling, but this is a nice little treat for you guys. Uh, we appreciate all of you guys for listening and hanging in there with us throughout this weird period, you know, end of season Patriots aren't in it type stuff. So uh, appreciate you guys listening. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor and privilege to welcome on Ken Rogers and Nick Muscolo, co-directors of ESPN's newest 30 for 30, The Tuck Rule, uh, premiering on Sunday, February 6th at 8.30 p.m. Gentlemen, thank you for taking the time. Thanks for having us. Happy to be here. Now, I would be remiss uh, not to ask the first question. Was it a fumble or was it an incomplete pass? Ah, that's the eternal question. And 20 years later... uh, I think the answer is yes. It's both. <laughs> there you go, right? <laughs> Take the easy way uh, out. I like it. Well, you know what? I don't think it's the easy way out because I, re- I really do uh, feel um, a- a- that it is both. I think it is clearly by rule an incomplete pass. And I also think clearly in spirit it is a fumble. And the two can be true at the same time because I, I think there are clear arguments for both. Yeah, but I think when, it, you, get, when you get stuck in the weeds with the rule, and, and that's what this part of this film did, and, and you hear Walt be Walt, Walt Coleman the referee, you, you, you see why it was ruled the way it was. And we'll get into the the amount of time that's passed, but I, I think everybody, you know, 20 years removed, especially, you know, our audience here are Patriots fans, you know, 99%. And even they can agree that by the letter of, of the law and the rule, it was an incomplete pass, but that rule's stupid. And there's a reason that it's no longer a rule, right? Like that getting away from it for so long and, and having the rule change, you can kind of see with clearer eyes that, yeah, you know, there's a gray area there, right? Yeah, and, and the what, what's ironic is the rule was created so there wouldn't be a gray area. Uh, it was created so that the officials wouldn't have to interpret where the arm was in the motion. Uh, that it was either all the way back, the ball had reached, totally reached the body, or if it was anywhere along the arc, it was going to be an incomplete pass. Because otherwise, if you say, well, it's a 90-degree angle, and past 90 degrees, it's incomplete, or it's a fumble, but up until 90 degrees, it's an incomplete pass, well, if it's at 91 degrees and it's in the middle of a throwing motion, you're relying on an official to make uh, an interpretation in a split second that's almost impossible. So to make it 
easier and get rid of the gray, they said, look, let's just make it that it's all the way to the body or it's going to be an incomplete pass. And yet still, they couldn't get rid of controversy. And that just shows how complicated these guys' jobs are. Uh, it, it is a really nuanced thing being an official in the NFL. And the men and women who do it today, uh, I think, get a lot of grief for something that when you look at it in split second timing, it is extremely difficult. Yeah, that very well said. I think it's it, it's so hard to not want to poo-poo the referees, you know, week in and week out. We we had it just last week during the divisional round of the playoffs where there was a lot of things that people felt should be called, shouldn't have been called. So I agree with you 100%. They get a lot of flack that they, they don't really deserve. I wanted to get into the inspiration behind the, the 30 for 30. You know, the anniversary just passed 20 years, obviously. But other than that, where did the idea come from? You know, who came to you? Who did you guys go to? And the process behind making this a reality, what was that? Uh, well, so this was Ken here, Ken Rogers. And I, I can uh, I can tell you that part of it was uh, the fact that in 2001, I was a brand new filmmaker here at NFL Films and was assigned uh, the Patriots as my team to follow and make a highlight film on. And the tuck rule changed my life uh, as it changed probably thousands of people's lives. Uh, I, because of the tuck rule, was able to make a, a, a highlight film about a Super Bowl champion team rather than a team that got knocked out in the first round. Uh, which is an incredible opportunity for a first-year filmmaker at NFL Films, uh, really uh, unheard of. But when I got assigned the Patriots, they were seen as a team that was going nowhere that year. So there was very little chance that I was going to get to make a championship film. Uh, but the opportunity to do so um, led to me catching the eye of Steve Sable and and earning his trust uh, um, and him becoming a mentor and has led to all of these great opportunities to make 30 for 30s and run hard knocks and meet my wife here at NFL Films and all these things that have happened to me personally and professionally. And uh, I, I've always thought of the tuck rule as this magical moment where life changed for so many people, including myself. Um, and, and I've always wanted to hear from Tom and Charles about what they thought. And this was the first time Tom and Charles have ever talked about that play together. Um, and that was really the goal is let's capture the real moment that they actually first talk about it, whether that's jokey or argumentative or whatever. And it turned out to be all of the above. It was really a therapy session between them. And it was uh, it was the best thing we could have ever imagined. It was fascinating the conversation we were able to capture. And what was the process behind getting those two in a room together? I'm sure you know, you know, longtime friends. They were college teammates, right? I'm sure they don't hate each other. But when you're when you're put in a room and told to talk about one specific subject, I'm sure it's it can be tough at times, like you said. So. 
the process behind getting those two together, what was that like? Well, I mean, they they were on board with it from from the presentation of the idea. It was a matter of finding the right time to get the two of them together with their schedules, Tom still being an active player. Um, and, you know, once we were able to figure out, you know, a time and a location, then it was just a matter of how do we maximize the, the four-hour window we're going to get with these guys, which was when you, you hear it, it sounds like a huge amount of time to spend with them. But for, it was, for the amount of scenes we needed to capture with them, because um, it was an all-in shoot for the entire film, <clears throat> it, was, it was a lot to, 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 to organize efficiently um, and, and, and know where to cut yourself off and, and move on to the next thing. So we got everything we needed to make the film that we had intended to um, when we headed down to Florida. And I would say you guys got a lot, you know, obviously I'm not a filmmaker, but for a four hour shoot, I would imagine that usually you don't get, I'd say probably what, 20 minutes in the film is, is those two guys, at least. I feel like that's a lot of time that you guys got, you know, they must have clicked really when you guys got them in a room together. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when we, when Ken and I uh, were driving away that, that day after the shoot, we were just, we were blown away by what we got. And we felt like we had everything we needed with just Tom and Charles. And we came back and we cut that version of it right away uh, to just see how we'd react to it without all the other um, interviews. And, 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 you know, that version of the film we liked. We, we obviously loved where, 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 we, where we ended up. Um, but we knew uh, after that day that we had everything and probably more than we expected to get out of the two of them. Um, and, and we knew the moment that they both arrived um, and, and as soon as they saw each other and the mood that they were in and, you know, their relationship just popped immediately, uh, we knew we were in good shape. There's very few shoots you, you go on, uh, where you feel this way, but this was one where you could, in an alternate universe, air the raw footage on television and people would watch it. Like you, you wouldn't have to make one edit and people would be fascinated by just watching Tom and Charles for four hours in real time because the, their, their relationship and their converse, conversation really was that interesting and, and genuine. Um, it's not the very best version. We think we made the best version because uh, it moves much cleaner and faster through through the story. But uh, you you would have plenty of people who would watch it uh, without pause uh, for, for four straight hours. And you can't say that about many shoots that you do in your entire career in this business. And it, and it wasn't just those two guys. You guys have some great cameos of, you know, people popping up. I don't want to give it away because when I was watching and I saw someone pop up, I was like, oh, I can't believe they got this person. But uh if you could kind of spill the beans on one person that you came away from your interview with them and you were like, this is great. We're going to be able to put this in. This is going to be great. And maybe who was somebody that you hoped that you could have had, but it just wasn't able to work out. I, I really think the unheralded star of the entire show is Walt Coleman, the official who made the call uh, that, changed everything um he has such a unique uh deadpan view of the world and that call 
that <laughs> it's um, it's really quite amazing to hear how unrelentingly clear-minded he is about his thoughts on that day. Um, and it, I think for Patriots fans, it's it's kind of uh, comforting that there's 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 a lot of consistency there, um, and and a little bit of humor um, and knowledge that he that he um, is heralded a little bit by the Patriots fans and hated a lot by the Raiders fans. Um, he's really. Uh, we came away with, with that interview from that interview, just knowing that he was going to have some really incredible moments. Um, and, and, you know, the, the, the rest of the cameos from, uh, from ownership to coaches to, you know, kickers down were really, really, really special. Um, I think one person that we, we thought about and and wanted to interview and we thought at the end we were almost a little happy we didn't we didn't get was Jerry Rice and you forget that Jerry Rice sometimes sometimes you forget Jerry Rice was on that Raiders team right um and he wasn't a factor in that game at all and he has a little bit of, you know, relevance in that if the Raiders go on and win the Super Bowl after that game, he would have won another ring. And maybe if he wins another ring after that, he's clearly the GOAT and, you know, he has five rings then. But if you interview Jerry Rice, it, it might take away a little from the story of the tuck rule because he's he's Jerry Rice, you know, it, 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 it's, it's almost a distraction. Um, and so he, he, he declined, I think probably because of the same reason that that game isn't really at, at the, at the core of his career. It, it really isn't when you tell the story of Jerry Rice's career, a huge part in his story the Super Bowl that he lost against the Bucks, sure we could talk about that as part of his Raiders career but not really this game so it ended up being great I think that that he ended up not being in the film and you rarely say that when it comes to someone like Jerry Rice yeah I would say that's interesting because I had I had somebody else in my mind and obviously it wouldn't have been possible but Al Davis I just imagine would have been the most electrifying person on screen to talk about, you know, the events of, of what happened just because he was such a larger than life character. But Jerry Rice, I mean, I, I agree a hundred percent. I think it, it probably would have taken away a little bit from the core well, of, of the story. I wonder if, if I, if I should have brought back deep fake Al Davis from my last 30 for 30 and, and hey, I wouldn't have been upset about it. I, <laughs> I would have enjoyed it, but it was, uh, you know, nonetheless, the the amount of of cameos you guys have from from players, like you like you mentioned, it's it really is tremendous. And th there is a part where you guys do a little um, 
a flash forward, and I, I won't give away what it is, but you guys do a flash forward about kind of alternate realities. What could have happened if the tuck rule wasn't the tuck rule? And yeah. I want to say, you know, who who thinks who came up with those realities, right? Because nothing's for certain. Yeah. Uh, I think Brady came up with his a little bit. Charles Woodson came up with his own, but to to be able to put that on screen, you know, who who was able to really put that forward? It's a great question to us. That's the highlight of, of the show and something that that everyone needs to stick around to see. Uh, it was really the the first thing we started talking about, um, and it 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 stems, <laughs> I think, from our interest, in, believe it or not, in science fiction, um, the multiverse theory, and. <laughs> um, you know, if you're watching Spider-Man recently or or a lot of different Marvel uh, projects, uh, you know, you're you're interested in the, in the multiverse theory. Um, but there's absolutely it, it, it's been around in sci fi for for quite some time. And, you know, we were fascinated by by the thought that there's these alternate realities out there where the tuck rule went the other way. Um, and it just so happened that years ago we asked Tom Brady, Charles Woodson, that that question, like, hey, what the play for a little bit, for a couple of minutes there, had gone the other way. What what were your thoughts when it when it was ruled a fumble? Um, you know, so we actually have footage of them exploring that thought. Um, and so we were able, uh, really Nick, um, who's the best editor here at NFL films w- was able to create a multiverse, um, flash forward of, of what it would be like in this alternate multiverse, uh, where the play went the other way. And I think you'll hear <laughs> I know that you hear some things from from Tom and Charles that it, it, that they would they would uh, they would say in this uh, alternate universe. It's fascinating um, and, and and eerie to me when you hear it. And it, it it just applies to sports. I think when you know what the outcome is, and you can look back and find and find a, a hypothetical of of what what if it. What if this went the other way, whether it's the tuck roll, whether it was a draft pick, whether, um, you know, whether the ball went through the guy's legs in a baseball game, you know, I mean, you, you can play all these scenarios out when you know what the outcome it was to find to, to play out this idea of what would have been if it went the other way, what would have been if if the ball was fielded or or, or, or if Tom Brady was the sixth quarterback taken in the draft and not the seventh, right? Was that, is that the number I thought from remember that correct? Like yeah. he would went to the Browns. Like is Tom Brady, Tom right. Brady is drafted by the Browns. I, I don't know. That's pr- probably hard to play that out, but that's the fun of, in sports. Like, you, you know, you, when it's live, you don't know what's going to happen. And then after it happens, you wonder what if it went the other way? It's just the nature of, of sports allows you to play these things out. And it's a lot of fun uh, to think about the what ifs of, of, of scenarios and the tuck roll is probably one of the most fun ones to think about it if it went the other way yeah and before i do let you guys go i i wanted to ask about the relationship between nfl films and espn because 
I think when I take in, you know, content from each side, it's so different in my mind that there's such a different kind of viewpoint that it comes from. But when they're melded together, it always ends. It's like a, you know, when two opposite things come together, you know what I'm saying? It's just, everything mm-hmm. comes together and it's like a beautiful marriage of sorts. And NFL films, in my opinion, does such a great job of finding things. Uh, and I don't know if ESPN always does that in their, their lone ventures, but NFL films, you guys are always able to put in like local newscasts from the, the day after a game or uh, sideline shots from not even from NFL films, but from other people that you're able to find. How are you able to find those and how important is that to bring that element to an ESPN production, you know, together with NFL films? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that what you're probably talking about is just the traditional quick turnaround news aspect of ESPN. Um, I think ESPN films and, and 30 for 30 in particular, um, you know, has that same sort of thought process that NFL films does, which is deep archive uh, diving. Um, and, and I think that's why the brands, the, the 30 for 30 brand and, and NFL films um, melds as well as, as you interpret it. You know, I don't know that NFL films, um, you know, could ever do what is done on SportsCenter, you know, or that sort of right. thing. Um, you know, we're, we're the historians. So I think us and 30 for 30 fit perfectly because that brand um, is more our style. Um, and that's, um, you know, that's a credit to ESPN because they have, they, they have every style covered uh, under their deep umbrella. But we, we really believe that you can't start a project until you look at all of the material. Um, you know, Steve Sable was a collage artist uh, in college. That, that was his, his major was art. Um, and he, he made collage art up until the day he died. And one thing he always taught us is you can't start putting things in the frame until you have all your materials laid out in front of you. you. You can't decide what the subject is going to be until you look at the choices. Um, so finding all the material is the very first thing you have to do. And unless you do that, you can't really start putting the pieces together because you don't have the pieces. It's like starting a puzzle, but not having the box to know what you're putting together should look like. So um, that was a lesson that he passed on to us. And and I think it's one that is not only supported by the 30 for 30 uh, ESPN films crew, but uh, one that is, is very deeply ingrained into their mission statement. Awesome. And my final question, I have to ask, the house that the Brady and Woodson's interview was filmed in. Whose house was that? And how unbelievable was it? Because it's, it's breathtaking to, to look at. I, I couldn't imagine, you know, sitting in a bedroom in that house, let alone the entire yeah. thing. It's, it's immaculate. Yeah. Well, it's mine. <laughs> well, you no. did, you're doing great. No, no, it wasn't mine. Um, that actually was a, um, it was a rental. 
I will okay. say. Yes. Um, I, 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 will, I will say that because we should not have anyone uh, searching for Tom or Charles at that house. They do not live there. I, feel, I figured you guys wouldn't do it at one of their homes, but whoever whoever figured out where that house was and how to rent it, it props to them. They deserve a raise because that's it's. I think I think it brings it all together, kind of like the Hollywood, the Florida Hollywood mix that you you get with those two guys. It it fits very well. It fits their style. I can assure you that where they live is probably pretty equal <laughs> to right. To just that as place. nice. <laughs> All right, well, a reminder for everyone at home, Sunday, February 6th at 8.30 p.m., catch the Tuck Rule on ESPN. Uh, thank you guys so much for taking the time and talking with us. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having us. Hope you enjoy the film.